before we get to the baptism. Okay, so I've got a question. I'm going to go, go live with my roving mic. Okay, uh, the question is, how do you know that somebody loves you? How do you know that somebody loves you? Would anybody want to hazard a guess at an answer as to how? Oh, okay. We've got kids. The kids are going for it today. How do you know someone loves you? You, you say. So you say you love you. So you like they say they love you. Yeah, great. So with their words, that's a good one. How about you? You feel you're loved. So you like you 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 just feel it. Yeah, great. Okay. How anyone anyone else? How do you know that someone loves you? Ooh, whoops. See, Steve, you were here this morning for the earlier service, so you know you know where I'm going. <laughs> uh, they give you their last Rolo. They oh. That's frighteningly, frighteningly accurate. Uh, have you got some kind of weird prophetic insight? I don't know about it. Um, any, any, other, any other thoughts? How do you know someone loves you? No, you change your mind. Okay, that's fine. Any, any other thoughts? Okay, only, only, only. How do you know someone loves you? Because they show you affection. They show you affection. Okay, yeah, cuddles. We like a cuddle, don't we? Like a good hug. I'm a hugger. Hug it out. Okay, good. Yeah, loads of, loads of answers there. I'm sure there'd be, we could go all day with that, couldn't we? Um, we'd all answer that question, I think, in a variety of ways. Um, but I would argue, I'd argue that genuine and deep love is probably revealed mostly through sacrifice. If you think about the times when you've known that you've been really loved, very often, not always, but very often, it's when someone has done something for you and you know that it's cost the other person something. Now, earlier on, I gave out some chocolates. And that was easy because I had a whole box of chocolates. Now, I've only got one left. It's like the last Rolo, Steve. It's almost as if you knew what was coming. And I didn't say anything about this in the last one either, so yeah, it's spooky. Anyway, um, you remember the last Rolo advert, for those of you that... I was actually watching, there's, um, there's an advert, isn't there? There's one where like, there's a guy, a guy who's... Um, I think there's a couple who've just been married, and they're, they're on a train, and there's like, on the table between them, there's this like, last Rolo just like, sitting there, and they're looking at each other, this kind of all loved-up married couple, and then, and then they come up to a tunnel, they go through the tunnel, everything goes black, and then they come out the other side, and the Rolo's missing, and the woman's just like, like that, and the, the guy's just absolutely livid. Um, it, it's, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant, brilliant advert. They shouldn't have done away with it. But it's, it's like this chocolate, this one, whoops, this chocolate is no different, really, to the other chocolates that I gave away, is it? It's the same thing, but the context makes it different. The context changes it, because it's my last one. If I give this away, I've got nothing left. I've given away absolutely everything. So do, can, can Dexter have chocolate yet? Maybe you, can, maybe you can sort of frame that, save it as a kind of, you know, the, the, the baptismal chocolate and just put it, on the, put, it on the, <laughs> put it on the wall. But that is my most precious chocolate because it's my last one. And it goes like that, doesn't it? As in, we know that a gift is generous because if someone gives us something materially, when they don't have much, 
materially. It means that much more than if someone gives out of their wealth. It's like the widow's might. She gave everything that she had, even though it was only a tiny coin, a bit like me and my chocolate. It could be that somebody who's really stretched for time, who's just always, you know they're always busy, but you say, you know what, I'm having a really rough, rough time, and they say, you know what, I'll buy you a coffee, let's go out, let's sit down and have a chat, and they just sit with you and listen for like an hour and a half, and you're like, I know this is costing this person, or I know that this is like their day off, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, it means more because they're short of time. It could be kind words that somebody said to you when you know that they just really struggle to be honest with their emotions. Some people just struggle to, to kind of be open about their emotions, and somebody might say something to you, um, and you know that it's really difficult for them to do that. Maybe, maybe it's forgiveness that someone's extended to you when you know you've been, like, really awful to them. <laughs> like, I, I've been, like, you know, I said that thing, it was really awful, or I did that thing, and I don't deserve your forgiveness right now. Like, this is costing you something to forgive me, right? Or maybe, maybe it's encouragement and trust uh, and, and, like, the freedom to, to, to kind of make your own decisions when, you know, you, you were being parented and, and you had a parent that struggled to let go and it was costly to them to let go, but they did it anyway. When people spend themselves for the sake of others, these are kind of these thin places where heaven seems to touch earth and we experience something of heaven here and now. At the moment, we're working our way through what's called the I am sayings of Jesus. And in today's, uh, today's uh, reading, Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd. And while shepherds are often thought of as people who kind of guide and feed sheep, which they obviously are, the picture that Jesus paints of the good shepherd is one who is far more committed than just one who is leading them and feeding them, but for somebody who is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. In our scripture today, Jesus is contrasted with a hired hand. Last week, we were talking about Jesus as the gate, and he was contrasted with thieves and robbers, people who, who meant meant ill for the sheep, like they were out to hurt them and harm them. The hired hand isn't out to hurt and harm the sheep. The hired hand is there to look after the sheep, and they're happy to do so. But a hired hand, they'll do their job, they're looking after the sheep, but if they see in the horizon <laughs> a marauding bear <laughs> running towards them, they have no ownership of the sheep, and you can bet your bottom dollar that a hired hand is just going to leg it. But Jesus, the good shepherd, isn't merely willing to just take a risk or two to protect his sheep. He's willingly, willingly chosen certain death in order to save us from something, from danger. Now, if you're here today and your impression of God, if you believe in him at all, is that he's distant and uncaring, I'd like to gently challenge that assumption because the Bible effectively tells us that Jesus, God in flesh, has given everything he has and is for us, that he has laid down his life. He's given us his last spiritual rollo. He has given us the last chocolate in the box. He has nothing left. On the cross, he gave everything and left us free. Now, in just a moment, Dexter is going to come to the front with Sophie and Dom, and some promises are going to be made on his behalf, and we're going to baptize him. 
And during baptism, because the candidate is literally kind of having a wash, it's easy to see that there's uh, a symbolism of, of like washing that is, that is going on. Uh, and the, the Christian understanding is that that is about uh, symbolic of the cleansing of sin that we receive through repentance and faith. That is all the things that we do uh, that are wrong when we kind of steer away from God. Um, I don't think that's just me. Is that right? It's not just me that kind of wanders away from God or has a tendency to mess things up. Is that okay? Is that okay, okay to say that? Um, but what's less clear with baptism is that it's also symbolic. In fact, primarily, I would say, symbolic of death and resurrection. See, when grown-ups are baptized, such as this one, uh, and when I was baptized, when I was about 24, um, you kind of get baptized in a huge bathtub, basically, and the candidate goes all the way under the water and comes all the way back up again. And it looks like a burial. It looks like they're being buried and then coming back to life again. And that's not a coincidence. Because the start of a Christian journey is looking to the good shepherd who laid down his life for us. Looking at this good shepherd who gave everything for us and saying, Jesus, you died for me so that I could be forgiven. And I want to spiritually join you in that death. In other words, I choose to die to myself. I choose to relinquish uh, selfishness. I choose to give up my own ambitions that are, that are bad. I choose to give up being kind of going in the direction of wealth and money and wh whatever it is. Uh, and God, I want to live the way that you're telling me to live. And that involves a kind of a death. And so, um, you know, the cross it is symbolic of that death, but the cross was not the end. The cross was not the end because Jesus rose from the dead. And the scriptures say that if we join Jesus in his death, that we also join Jesus in his resurrection, that we are raised with him somehow. But we can't have resurrection without death. And so today, we are strangely, sounds weird, doesn't it, celebrating a death. We're celebrating a kind of a spiritual relinquishing of something. And in that, as we do that, Jesus pours out and blesses that much more. He gives us back life in all its fullness and life. And that is offered to each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. So let's do this, shall we, little man? <laughs> do you want to come up? If, 